Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue to reflect into the richness of the gospel text that we will hear this Sunday. Of course, this Sunday is the third Sunday of Lent that will continue uh, to have us reflecting into that all-important theme of just not repentance, but this call to also be vigilant, vigilant. And it is Thursday evening, so I do have Debbie Rosales with me here in studio. So Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you for having me, Joe. So before we jump into our reading, Debbie, I want to first just ask the question, you know, how are we doing this Lent? This is a, a question that I always like to ask two to three weeks in, and it's, it's interesting because just a couple of days ago, I had two different conversations, and the first young man comes up to me and he says, you know, Joe, I have already blown it. <laughs> <laughs> No surprises I, there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now I'm feeling really guilty because Lent already started. I just feel like I need to cash it all in. And no, 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 no. no. Um, that is the adversary. That yeah. is Satan saying, cash it all in. Yeah. What have we said? Yes. What have we said before, Debbie? The saint is not the person who never falls. No, the saint is the person who gets up a second time, mm-hmm. a third time, a, a fourth, fourth time. time. <laughs> Because what we must realize is that as long as we are vested with the flesh, we are sinners and we will fall. Now, that being said, we do have to uh, listen to sweet sister Prudence when she says, don't do this and don't do that. Mm -hmm. Because uh, again, behind every uh, no is an immeasurable greater yes. So we have to um, stay focused. You know, what were we saying, Debbie, a few weeks back? Take up one thing. Focus on that one thing. Right. Because when you focus on that one thing, then I think it's a lot easier for us. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my other conversation. Um, this young man uh, took on about 10 things, yeah. <laughs> and just not <laughs> penances, but also in his almsgiving. And I thought, okay, so how you doing? And he, he just looked at me and he said, gosh, Joe, I'm not doing so well. <laughs> I'm doing it, but it's just, it's breaking me down in a negative way. Oh. I said, well, you know, that's what's going to happen when you take on too much. Spiritual indigestion. Y- yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, spiritual indigestion. And you know what's interesting? We so often say God is never going to give us anything that we can't handle, which is so true. But we can give ourselves too much to handle. I uh-huh. think that's what we forget. Yeah. That's what we forget, that yeah. we give ourselves too much to handle. And this is why, again, Debbie, we just ought to take up one thing. Mm-hmm. Now, in this conversation with this gentleman, he says, so I now scale back. And I said, well, you have to take that up with God. Right. But <laughs> the fruit of our penance should be life-giving. Mm-hmm. And if this isn't life-giving, you, you have to look in the mirror and you have to ask that question. 10 different penances um, each and every day, 10 different things you want to do in, in, in your almsgiving, that's probably too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are we doing this Lent? And if you have fallen, pick yourself back up again, get right with God, and make the rest of this Lent a special Lent. Absolutely. I I love that advice because, you know, all I kept thinking about that young man is, did he really discern that Mm, mm. well before he entered Lent? Yeah. 
You know, did you, did you discern that? Did you ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do, Lord? What is it that you want me to do? And, and boy, he normally gives us right to the heart of the matter mm-hmm. as, as what I've found. So I like to do one kind of penitential work and then add something in the positive, you know? Yeah. So you, let's say you're fasting from complaining and you're feasting on generosity or gratitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the penitential act, which helps discipline our flesh and then we're feasting on something that's building in virtue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at the same time. So take that for what it is. <laughs> yeah. If we are going to feast as we ought, we must first fast as we are called to. Right. I mean, that's the bottom line. And right. uh, sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. because we are so ambitious. And sometimes because we are so ambitious, God sticks out his foot and we fall because he wants to remind us that we're probably doing too much and everything that we're doing, again, isn't working. So, yeah, maybe this is a growth thing for this young man. And right. We, we kind of talked about that a little bit. But that being said, pick yourself back up and uh, be about yourself and be, as you said, Debbie, a person who discerns now what is before you. So very important. And why do we talk about this? Because while, while it's Lent, we have a reading, Debbie, that has us focusing in on this a call to be thinking about repentance for sure. This Sunday's gospel is from Luke chapter 13, 1 through 9. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, If you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Shalom fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard, and when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none, so cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it so that it may bear fruit in the future. And if not, you can cut it down. Amen. Thanks for reading that, Deb. So before we get into this theme of repentance, I want to get our listeners, Debbie, thinking about what this scene may have looked like uh, from a topical view, if you will. We have Galileans in Jerusalem, so it's probably the Passover sacrifice. Now, What was the Passover sacrifice about? Well, this was the annual feast, as many of us know, that the faithful Jew would take their unblemished lamb to be slaughtered in Jerusalem at the temple. Now, how big was this? This just wasn't, you know, Washington, D.C., or Wall Street, or downtown Chicago by Sears and Hancock, or or Hollywood. It was was all of those combined, and yet even more. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to imagine that thousands upon thousands were there. Mm -hmm. So maybe this was Rome 
at uh, John Paul II's funeral. I mean, <laughs> if any of you were there in Rome those days, you know what I'm talking about. Thousands upon thousands of people, huh? Um, we have to just get our head around that. Mm-hmm. Okay, this just wasn't in some quiet corner. Thousands upon thousands. This is what the temple setting would have been about there. Now, why this gospel text during Lent? Uh, and why would Jesus be talking about Pilate's butchery and this tower falling? Huh? Well, he wants us to see something, Debbie. You know, I think for many of us, at least here in the United States of America, uh, this narrative might touch home. Why? Because you have a tower falling. Now, when the two towers fell, were we made to just look at that event and say, just and only, oh, those poor people? Certainly, we say that in the context of um, heartfelt prayer. But what else, Debbie? When you have a horrific event like that, it spawns a penitential heart. And this is what Jesus was talking about here. He gives us these two instances to awaken the reality of, well, you know not the day nor the hour, so you should be penitential. You should be a repentant of all your sins. Now, I'm thinking, oh, what was it, Debbie, just two days after the towers fell, Eminem, the popular rapper, mm-hmm. talked about, you know, maybe, maybe I need to start uh, changing my words. He was looking in wow. the mirror, huh? And this Mm -hmm. is what this event is about. Mm -hmm. Every time there is natural calamity or any kind of event like what is detailed in the gospel text today, we have to be looking in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, we have to repent because we know not the day nor the hour. And there's there's an urgency to it, Mm -hmm. right? There's an urgency to our repentance. You know, here we are in the extraordinary Jubilee year of mercy. You know, God has opened up the heavens, and He is showering us with graces. This is a very special year, and there is a sense of urgency. We need to allow God to love us so that we might better love others. This is what this gospel text is about. And it's interesting too, Debbie, the whole imagery of horror and death is kind of turned upside down because What does Jesus want us to see? If we don't repent, then what will befall you will be much worse, much worse. I am reminded of um, St. John the Baptist during this period of time. And in Luke 3, 8 and 9, he gives this little teaching, and it is an indirect reference to what Jesus talks about with the fig tree. This is what John says. Produce good fruits as evidence of your repentance, that everyone who produces good fruit, excuse me, who does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And as Joe said, we have no idea. We're not, we're not promised even tomorrow. No. I'm not promised the next couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. I could drop right here on the stool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So none of us are promised that. The hour is now. The time is now. This minute. As you're listening, sweet dear listeners, reflect, reflect on what it is this Lent that the Lord is um, encouraging you to look at mm. in your own life, in our, our lives. What, what are we encouraged to repent of? Don't be afraid. Mm. Let Amen. the Holy Spirit work. Amen. You know, Benedict XVI says, the greatest gift of Christianity is the present moment. 
that strikes me. The yeah. greatest gift of Christianity that's is why the, it's present. Called the present. Mo- yes, that's it. And, <laughs> and that's what he was speaking to. Yeah. Yes, and we can put this in the context of the sacramental life and the many yeah. gifts that come to us yeah. in the Christian and Catholic faith. But all of that is about the present moment. Yes. Right? That our concept of time is formed and informed by God's time, right? That uh, Kronos is formed and informed by Kairos, that grace-filled time. So, yeah, the present moment is very important. So we are made to be, what then, Debbie? Vigilant. We are made to be watchful. This, of course, is an important theme as it relates to um, repentance. You know, I was recently picking someone up at an airport, Debbie, and something really struck me. I got there a little bit early, earlier than I thought I was going to be, and so I was just kind of hanging out. Huh? And I looked up and I saw these young ladies with great anticipation, waiting, huh? watchful for their, uh, as they all had wedding rings on, grooms to come down from the escalator. There was a watchfulness, a watchfulness that was built up because of their already existing relationship with their grooms. In the same way, is the church as a bride made to wait for who? The bridegroom, bridegroom. right? The bridegroom. Are we watchful for the bridegroom? Mm -hmm. And really, the only way we can get to the heart of it is in light of what you just said. I mean, we have to stop what we're doing and ask that question, and we have to acquire that disposition. Often, uh, we are just simply not disposed, right? because we have not detached ourselves from the things that God is calling us to detach from. And again, this is why um, we have this reading during the season of Lent, mm. because it is a gentle reminder that if we are not watchful, if we are not sober and vigilant, then we are not doing what we ought to do. Uh, so we have to uh, self-examine and ask ourselves the question, am I doing what I need to do. In that conversation we were talking about earlier with this young man, um, part of that conversation was about him not being disposed. Mm-hmm. He didn't have his head up, but his head down mm-hmm. because right. he knew he had failed God. In fact, both conversations were about that. So again, pick yourself up, pick your head up, and ask yourself the question, what do I need to do to be right with God so that I can watch, not with head down, but with head up. Beautiful. We have this whole image of dying and living. You know, Mm. this whole gospel is about dying so we can live. And it just reminds me of um, John 12 when we talk about, when Jesus talks about the grain of wheat that falls to the ground that must die in order to bear fruit. That living and dying, it goes together. We must die ourselves in order to live. So what are we dying to? We're dying to selfishness. We're dying to laziness. We're dying to stinginess, whatever that is. Again, whatever God is um, having you look at, we want that to fill us. We want um, that repentance, that dying to self to fill us so that we can be with Jesus and have Jesus fill us so that we can minister and be food for those around us, for the hungry. We just may have that word, that food that they need to come to Christ, to Amen. To come to repentance, to look at the Lord in a new way with the eyes of mercy. So very important that we look at how we are to die this Lent, how we are to die so that we can live. 
Yeah, and as we die to self, our head is up. And as we're talking about being yeah. watchful, Debbie, and vigilant and sober, part of this is to see how God wants to use us. You exactly. spoke to uh, John earlier. You know, a true repentant heart is evidenced by its fruits, mm-hmm. right? So we are made to then see uh, how you're called to stand erect, be vigilant, be watchful, and how God wants to use us in each and every encounter. Mm-hmm. How many times do we miss the encounter that God desires because our head is down? And I'm just thinking about so a typical stroll, Debbie, uh, maybe downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, here in Chico, if you go downtown, oh, be rest assured, there will be many opportunities to not only encounter homeless, but people who have a lot of questions. Sure. Um, in fact, for all of you out there, I would encourage you to go downtown, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and to see what God might have for you. That's what yeah. Paul did in Acts 17. Right. You know, he went to the downtown, you know, in the mm-hmm. Areopagus, if you will, and he ministered. He was watchful to see how God wanted to use him. And obviously he was able to, to do this to see because... He had a repentant heart. So we are called to enter into this repentance and to open ourselves up that truly we might see, you know, holiness and evangelization as not only uh, the necessary combination, but a winning combination that opens us up to the essence of God. We exist for holiness. And as Benedict XVI reminds us, we also exist to evangelize. Right. And isn't that what the new evangelization is? Yep. That's what it is. What is it not? It's not catechesis and instruction, although those are very important. It's not persuasion, apologetics, Bible ping pong, although those have their place as well. No, it's Christ in us. Yes. It's interesting, Debbie, because a lot of people, when they talk about the new evangelization, want to talk about apologetics, evangelization, and catechesis. And rightfully so. That has a part in the new evangelization, right? but yep. it is not reduced to those things mm-hmm. because all of those things will not have their proper trajectory, we could say, if what precedes it is not the holiness we speak about. Right. And again, um, this really is the context uh, that we're after, to see this for what it is. Now, it's interesting, Debbie, the image of the fig tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we are talking about a tree and, and fruit. The fig tree in the prophetic books, was very much symbolic of Israel. Mm. So three years pass, and he doesn't see the fruit of the fig tree. And so what our Lord is saying is, I don't see the Israelite repenting, Mm -hmm. right? I don't see the Israelite repenting. And so he's very uh, strong in those terms. Yet, as we were talking, Debbie, earlier, you were speaking to the gardener, and I think there's Mm -hmm. something there. I love the gardener in this piece because it reminds me of Abraham. The gardener becomes an intercessor for this little flailing tree who I see as myself. Amen. <laughs> and I see God as my gardener, Jesus as my gardener, Mama Mary as my gardener. But just like Abraham intercedes, you know, Lord, what if what if what if there's 20 men in that city? Will you save it? And he dwindles down to one. Yeah. Well, Lord, what if one soul and that one soul is me, the little fig tree yeah. in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the gardener does the same in this story. You know, the master has every right to chop down this little tree. It's not producing food, and he's in the business of producing fruit. Yeah. And I love it, you know, that inner, this is what intercessory prayer is, folks. It's 
going, Lord, have mercy. This morning I was out praying in front of Planned Parenthood, and as these young girls and these couples would come up, and boy, they were busy this morning. As they Mm. came up, I just was pleading for God to have mercy on them Mm. and on their babies. Mm. And so that's what this gardener's doing. He's just saying, just give me one year, Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. year to love on it, to fertilize it, to lavish my love on it. And then if it doesn't produce food, have at it. (laughs) (laughs) Take it down. Well, we are called to share in Christ's one mediation, are we not? Yes. You know, when Paul is writing to Timothy, and he talks about this one mediation of Christ, what is he talking about? I know that is a bit of a controversial verse. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. Well, Mm. what is Paul talking about there? He's talking about Timothy's priesthood, but we also share in that priesthood in our baptism. Right, yes. So we have this baptismal vocation, this baptismal calling to share in this mediation. And the Greek there is to be a middleman, to be a middleman, to be a a, a negotiator. We were talking a little Mm -hmm. earlier about this, Debbie. Abraham was a negotiator. Yeah, he was. He actually started with 50, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, and and one. And the thing of it is, God was willing, right? God was willing. God was responding to Abraham's faithfulness. Yeah. And this is how we are called to intercede. In faith, how many times does Jesus say, your faith saves you? Saves you. Mm -hmm. Right? So we pray for this great gift of faith. And we do everything we can in our power to strengthen this great gift of faith and the uh, most concrete act and virtue of faith, which is trust. So we build up our relationship with Jesus Christ. And in so doing, we intercede Mm -hmm. on behalf of the unborn. We intercede on behalf of those people who, Debbie, we encounter. Right. We encounter one another because he desires salvation of souls. And none of this can happen. None of this can take place if we first are not repentant. If we first have not had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ. You mentioned the new evangelization earlier. Really, the new evangelization can be distilled in that one word, encounter. Mm. There is no one word, really, that gets at the essence and the heart of what evangelization is about than encounter. Mm. How does God evangelize the wise men, the encounter. Mm -hmm. Did little baby Jesus say something to them? (laughs) No, no. But in his presence, they were overwhelmed. And they, what is that verse again? Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Mm -hmm. This very robust Greek, Mm -hmm. this 13-syllable Greek that speaks to this kind of explosive joy that takes place when we encounter the God-man, the Son of God. And Debbie, here's the thing. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God has given us this person to be able to bring Jesus to others, that they might encounter Jesus through us. That is an extraordinary call, an extraordinary Extraordinary. vocation. Mm -hmm. And so again, we share in this mediation, and we can only share in this mediation if in fact we have a penitential heart, a repentant heart. So important. You know, Debbie, with the Avila Institute, I've been spending quite a bit of time on the feast days, Mm. and I could not help but notice something this afternoon, and I didn't go back into some extensive exegesis or or some study on this, but 
you do have this language of watchfulness here. You have in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 and following, the parable of the ten virgins. And in that parable, you have this theme of watchfulness. Well, it's interesting. In one of the ancient feast days, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, which many of us might be familiar with, right? There are certain rites. There are four rites to be exact, and I'm not going to get into all of them right now, or at least explain them. I'll just tell you what they are. The rite of baptism, the rite of a scapegoat, the rite of the blood of atonement, and the rite of the return of the priestly bridegroom. Mm. The rite of the return of the priestly bridegroom. What's going on there? Well, the high priest would go into the temple and offer uh, the blood of the goat, right? Mm. But if the high priest did not ritually purify himself, he would die. Right. Yeah, we often forget about this. You know, <laughs> it's an extraordinary thing, mm-hmm. I think, Debbie, to think about that, that a man would walk into a temple, and if he did not wash himself as the rite dictated, he would die. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, uh, the high priest would actually have a rope tied around his ankle because the faithful Jews did not want to go into the Holy of Holies to pull him out, so they would drag him out, right? So, <laughs> so there it was... had happened before, obviously. Oh, yes, yes. So there was this great watchfulness. Yeah. There was this waiting, like those young ladies I was talking mm-hmm. about, for the bridegroom to descend, their future grooms maybe to descend. And why do I say descend? Because in the temple courts, there were these ascending platforms. You had the outer court, which was lower than the inner court. And the inner court was lower than the holy place, the sanctuary. And that was, was lower than the holy of holies. They would wait for the high priest to descend. And it was only when uh, the high priest came out that they knew their sins were what? Atoned for. Atoned for. And what's interesting as I'm talking about this, this is a rare case, Debbie, that in the English rendering of the word, we can get at the heart of its theological me- meaning. What do I mean? Atonement, at one mint, mm-hmm. at one mint, so mm-hmm. at one with God. Mm-hmm. So there was this great waiting for all of those faithful Jews outside the temple. When we talk about watchfulness, when we talk, Debbie, about waiting, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is what Jesus wants us to see. And this is why We need to, as the parable of the uh, ten virgins speaks to, keep oil in the lamp, right? Right. (laughs) That uh, when it's time to light that lamp. Mm -hmm. Um, All very important for us to be thinking about during uh, this great season of Lent, this great uh, potential season of Lent, that we might truly receive him come Easter Sunday. Amen. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts, Debbie. Just a quote that I read uh, from Mother Teresa. I'm reflecting on some of her works this Lent. and um, Can't go and wrong I, there. <laughs> I, never. <laughs> I'm in awe of some of the wisdom there, and the simplicity is really speaking to my soul. But she said something in uh, her book, Life in the Spirit. You can do things that I can't do, and I can do things that you can't do. But together, we can do beautiful things for God. Hmm. Amen. Amen. We'll close with that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.